When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. An iced coffee. I've got a nice lunch burrito. I'm like, my interview burritos are sorted out. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, making your way here, checking out the series. Hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. That's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts from, including iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video version, or again, anywhere you like to get your podcast from. Today, my guest, Tom Morello. We're going to be talking about the Atlas Underground Fire. That's his continuation of what he calls his sonic conspiracy with artists, this time that include Chris Stapleton, Fantagram, Damian Marley, Mike Posner, just to name a few. Uh, the Rage Against the Machine guitarist tells us about the record being an emotional life raft during the darker days of the pandemic, uh, searching for the future of the electric guitar, and his work getting women musicians out of Afghanistan through his uh, Girls with a Guitar program. Now, Morello also talks about covering ACDC's Highway to Hell with Eddie Vedder and Bruce Springsteen and rehearsing with Rage Against the Machine for their rescheduled reunion show. So let's do it, discussing the Atlas Underground Fire. It's Kyle Meredith with Tom Morello. Hello, how's it going? How are you, sir? And you're back with a brand new record. It's called the Atlas Underground Fire. That's correct. Which, you know, with the title, obviously, a couple years ago, a few years ago, we had the Atlas Underground. Is this further in the series? Are we looking at a sequel? Like, how are you approaching it? This is the sister record, and the thing that the record share, they share a number of things. One is it is a collaborative endeavor. Uh, And on this record, we've got uh, from Damian Marley to Bruce Springsteen, Eddie Vedder, Sama Abdulhadi, grandson Mike Posner, Femme, Bring Me the Horizon, Fantagram, Chris Stapleton, among others. Um, And so it's a, you know, the the whole concept of the Atlas Underground is to a sonic conspiracy and basically finding a way for the instrument that I love most, the electric guitar, to have a future and not just a past. So by making interesting collaborations with artists new and old, uh, forging a new kind of like sort of sonic landscape for the guitar to play around in. 
when I saw the title too, with the addition of the word fire, I thought, oh, is he going for, are we going to get like four more, you know, three more with the, uh, the elements uh, <laughs> that go along with this? Is it now well, a series? Uh, very, uh, there's a, one never knows, but uh, the, 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 it, it, it's, a, it's a project that, you know, um, I greatly enjoyed making the first Alice Underground record, which was a creative en endeavor. Uh, an artistic creative endeavor. This Atlas Underground record was much more of like sort of a life raft and an antidepressant during a time of great anxiety and tumult. The record was made exclusively during lockdown. And, <clears throat> and while, you know, I was sort of alone in the bunker of my studio, it was a global collaboration of artists. I mean, from, from Brazil to Palestine, to Sweden, to New Jersey, to Nepal, to the UK and uh, to Jamaica, uh, artists were you know uh, contributing. Yeah, I, I think in another interview or something or one of those places you called yourself a drowning man going into this. <laughs> that, was, I mean, that's that sounds rough. Obviously, it was. It, it was. I mean, it was. It was. First of all, I mean, both both creatively and personally. Creatively, it was the first time since I was seventeen years old where there was not music. I had always been writing, performing, recording, um, and there there was this sort of endless horizon of not that staring staring me in the in the face um and then you know i, I have a studio I, I have a nice studio at my home but i don't know how to run it there's always an engineer that runs it so um i was so had no way to make music so i you know a, a inspiration struck in a very uh bizarre from a very bizarre corner that was kanye west who i read an article where he said that he had recorded vocals for a couple of his big hit records on the voice memo of his phone Thought it was good enough for Kanye West vocals. I could crank my Marshall stack up into that thing, and uh, sure enough, I did. And it was uh, just a matter of, uh, you know, putting a guitar, putting a turning the guitar on, putting the phone on a little folding chair, playing riffs into it, and sending it to engineers, producers, and artists around the globe. And that's how the Atlas Under Fire, Atlas Underground Fire, came to be. It's amazing because it still sounds like a full studio production like i can't Easy, tell, right? you know yeah, you can't, i mean 95 percent of the guitars in this record were recorded like on a folding chair with a, with an iphone and that's the the microphone is the microphone on my iphone um and you know on the one hand like the the riffs are what they are but also technology these days you're able to sort of take that file and and make it into uh you know, glorious works of right heavy metal rock and roll so so, so the artist like well i should say the song uh, what comes first, the artist or the song, or and does the artist dictate the style that yeah. you're going for? Yeah, there's. I mean, it, it's both a solo record and that there's kind of a purity of vision, and the guitar kind of guides it through these different different genres. But it's very much a collaborative record, and and that the the um, uh, chemistry of the individual. Uh, working with individual artists on the individual individual songs helps transcend anything that I could have done on my own. So, you know, I mean, just off the top of my head, like Chris Stapleton, we did a song called The War Inside. We talked for two hours on the phone about what it's like to try to keep our families alive and sane during this time. That became the, the, the therapeutic fodder for what became the lyrical content that we wrote the song with acoustic guitars. The, um, the Fantagram song, they had an idea of Josh and Sarah of a, a spooky sonic landscape that I, that I contributed to with uh, an array, a sonic palette of sounds to kind of flesh that out. Other songs like the Damian Marley song or the Bring Me the Horizon song, those are just big fat riffs that I came up with on that given day and sent them off to, to make big fat rock with. Yeah, hearing Damian Marley against a riff like that, you know, like there's there's two things happening here. Um, uh, playing against types, like occasionally you get an artist like Damien, like it feels like he's playing against type. But on the songs you also mentioned, Chris Stapleton and the Fantagram tracks. I mean, 
does it give you those opportunities too to kind of go yeah. it's not what you think it's going to be exactly yeah exactly there's no there's sort of no rules in this atlas underground world other than that it's you know it is it is finding the future of the electric guitar which i believe is of as a vibrant future and it does it need not be i mean guitar players tend to be traditionalists and there's nothing wrong with that and traditional guitar playing is fan, is fan, fantastic but i've never been content just doing that this is my 21st studio album and on every one of those records i've tried to push the boundaries of what the electric guitar can be and sometimes it's been making my guitar sound like barnyard animals or helicopter noises or r2d2 or or a dj Screechy scratching. Now, the challenge is to use the guitar as a as both a power riffing guitar soloing thing. Never never give an inch on those, but also to find a home in different genres of music to help it become an instrument that it has as great a value in the future as it has had in the past. Yeah, I, I brought up that Damian Marley too. Um, the result is outstanding. But how did he take, like, was it easy? Did you get to feel like it was easy for him to adapt to that? Yeah, I got to tell you, well, for, first of all, that was remote. I mean, we've, he and I played together before on stage. This was done completely remotely. And I sent him the tracks. I think he was in Jamaica at the time. And, you know, he just sent me back like that vocal, which is just, you know, it, it has that kind of that wise Rasta gravitas melded to this kind of black sabbath riff you know with bloody beat roots this sort of italian punk rock edm production that's the whole point i mean that's that really was the lifeline like in during these days where every day felt like it was the same and you know with a tremendous amount of sort of medical and political anxiety you know in the world all of a sudden i would get back that damian marley vocal and go like it's possible that things are going to be okay and that's it's important to point that out too because you know there are large parts of this that's not a political record in the way that we traditionally think of it. And there are parts that absolutely are, yeah. you know, coming from, uh, you know, where, where Damian Marley is coming from, coming sure. from your own background. Uh, the, um, how do you say the name? The Sama? Sama Abdulhadi, uh, yeah. Sama, Sama is fine, yeah. Right, right. I mean, coming from where they're coming from, as you're talking about, like, they were actually getting bombed in between yeah. making this track. Yeah, when, when, yeah, when Sama, she's, she's a great young Palestinian uh, EDM artist and, really groundbreaking and when we were she was mixing that song it was during the israeli bombing of palestine there'd be days where she would kind of disappear or go off grid and i'd be like are, are you okay i mean that's not and, and surprisingly that's not the most unusual circumstance in which a song was recorded mike posner our, our song naraka naraka is like the hindu word for hell or like sort of a place of lost souls between the beginning and the end of the making of that song he summited mount everest and so some of those vocals were recorded at 25,000 feet in Nepal. <laughs> and, so, and so here I am like in the bunker, like recording guitars into my phone and he's scaling Mount Everest and she's, you know, in the, you know, sort of dodging bombs. So it was, a, you know, in, in some ways it was a very cloister and isolated experience, but at the same time, global. I, and, and just, I mean, what amazing experiences to have part of the DNA of these songs. Yeah. Like, obviously that's a big part of your career you know, writing about these moments that, that happen in time and in the world. But when you've kind of got an idea of a project, and again, with the base idea of a project, bringing the guitar into the future, how is the message just as important? Or is that just something that sort of also comes naturally? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, certainly on this in this song, the, the message was defined by the moment, <clears throat> you know, and it wasn't me sitting down and going, I must write 10 songs about Guatemalan labor. It was just sort of like, this is, 
it's a this is a record about survival i mean literally like the making of the record is a way to sort of create a version of myself that i can live with you know that's really what's happening um but having said that there's sort of three categories of songs on the record one importantly are instrumental songs harlem hellfighter uh, Charmed, I'm sure, the song of Prototype and the Sama Abdul Hadi song on the shore of eternity. It was an assertion that I am a musician, I am a guitarist, I am for I am I am not just someone who's you know doing daycare and nursing home care and kennel care. It's like like I'm really doing it, you know, at the top of my ability, I am playing guitar in a way that does not require lyrics in this particular instance to get the point across. Then there are the songs that are sort of pandemic related um, from the war inside with Chris Stapleton to uh, the Bring Me Horizon, Bring Me the Horizon song, uh, Let's Get the Party Started, which sounds like sort of a big rock anthem, but it's really the flip side of the depression coin is if when faced with a mountain of anxiety, you know, you could party yourself to death. And that was sort of one of the options on the table for many people during this time. And then the third is, is the, maybe the more bread and butter of, it's the, the uncompromising social justice political songs, the grandson to hold, hold the line and uh, Damian Marley's um, uh, The Achilles List. The Achilles List, by the way, the name of that song comes from uh, the 70s movie, The Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. It's the, it's the film where, where the apes are sort of like this slave cast and the fascist humans are keeping them down, but the, the humans keep a list called the Achilles list of the apes that are smart enough or courageous enough that they might be able to hit the Achilles heel of the society to bring it down. And that's a list that I always thought I might want to be on. Let's see, that's another one of the reasons I'm such a fan. There's always something further to dig on in yeah. these songs. I yeah. wouldn't have picked that up just on the surface. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a cool moment. Uh, we were talking about um, um, Osama and, and I thought to mention uh, girl with a guitar is something you've been talking about lately because of what's going on uh, in the Middle East right now. Is there an update with that? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's no new news. Like, girl with guitar is a great organization that was founded by Larry Cordoba, who you know, was a he was like an '80s heavy metal musician who kind of found the religion of love and moved to Afghanistan to save these orphan street kids and these you know these girls who had endured pretty horrific traumas. Um, and create a school for them and use music as a rehabilitation tool. And they're wonderful. And I did a, did a song with them. They've covered some of my, you know, Night Watchman songs, which is wonderful. My, my son helped make a video for them. They're just like these wonderful kids, you know. And then when the Taliban took over, these girls got put on the kill list because, you know, they're, you know, they played Western music and they had an American male teacher. And, and so, their music school was destroyed like all the instruments were destroyed and they you know they're basically in hiding right now and we've tried a number of ways to get them out and that none of them have proved safe so right now they're just currently they're safe and but uh they're still there and we're hope we're continuing to do everything we can to um to try to get them get them out so uh, you know we can jam in person hopefully yeah i mean you're always doing important work and that's extremely important work right there so yeah i mean i just like it's 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 a it's a pretty it's a really terrifying situation for them because because larry the guy who's like runs the school he just happened to be in pakistan when you know when the change happened get he was getting his like visa renewed or whatever so so they were alone when the change happened and so it was really difficult to like you know uh and they're pretty scared but but they're safe, they're all safe right now so that's all we can hope for is just keep them safe until there's such a time where there's the opportunity um to get them out safely uh, I'll make an awkward transition out of that because that, that's some really important things. And I'm going to talk about something less important, like one of these songs. But, but you know, one of the most 
you know, as you talk about, you know, anti-tradition and how much it happens all, all over this record, one of the most traditional moments is you pulling a song from the past into the future. And of course, I'm talking about uh, uh, Highway to Hell and you've got Bruce Springsteen and you've got Eddie Vedder on it. So, and, and I, I sort of know the history on this because watching you with the E Street Band, I remember that moment where you brought, you all brought Ed up on stage in Australia and it was such a great moment where all of my fanatic worlds were just colliding. <laughs> But I started thinking, like, you know, knowing what I know about your history, so and, and like the Clash and punk rock and what it meant to you. Were you an ACDC fan at the same time? Was that immediate for you, or yeah, did that come yeah, later? I was a, yeah, I, I mean, I started out as a heavy metal fan, and then then when my friends who were heavy metal fans sort of transitioned to punk and left the metal behind, I did not. I kept yeah, okay. one foot firmly firmly in both camps, and and just sort of with my head in the sand, like whatever, whatever conflicts that may, may have arisen in my punk rock friends or my metal friends, I just said, I just love it all. It's going to be great. So I, ACDC is one of the greatest bands of all time, but, but yeah, you're right. We, we did Bruce and Eddie and I have a history with that song and it began, it was started in 2014 when I was on tour with the E street band in Perth, Australia, the home of Von Scott, where there is literally a highway that is known as the highway to hell. It's the highway that was from Bond's small town outside of Perth, where he lived, to the to the pub where he and his friends would just get blasted. And that's so there's it, that song was written about a highway to hell in, in outside of Perth. But anyway, so I was visiting the um, I wanted to pay my respects to his grave, which is there in Perth. Uh, and I went there at night, it was about 11 o'clock, and I couldn't find the grave. Su surprisingly, it is not marked with an eternal flame or something like that. <clears throat> but out of the darkness comes this motorbike in a graveyard in the middle of the night. There's this heavyset fella with a German World War II helmet on and a t-shirt which reads, I don't give a shit, but if I did, you're the one I'd give it to. And I'm like... <laughs> that guy's going to know where Bon Scott's grave is. <laughs> sure enough, he does. And I pay my respects and I see Bruce in the bar late later that night. I'm like, do you think that there's any way that ACDC and the E Street Band might overlap since we're here in Australia? And he was like, let me think about it. So we went to his room, started listening to the ACDC catalog and we began rehearsing Highway to Hell over the course of the next couple of sound checks. Found ourselves in Melbourne. Eddie Vedder was there on a solo tour in Australia and for me, like a light bulb went off and I knocked on Bruce's dressing room door. I said, Bruce, we are in Australia where ACDC is king, where the song Highway to Hell is the unofficial national anthem of rock and roll liberation. What if, what if we open the show with Highway to Hell with Eddie Vedder? And he was like, that sounds like a good idea. And we did, and it was an apex moment in the history of live music. Like, if you think you've seen people go ape shit at a concert, you haven't, because you were there on that night. It was like it was so crazy. Um, and so, as I, as I was finishing this record, uh, you know, with all these great young art, artists, grandson and femme, and bring me the horizon, I wanted to make a song with my rock brothers, and I reflected back on that night of magical transcendence, and said, you know, I put a track together, I sent it to Bruce with my fingers crossed. I said. Remember that time when we like blew up the world with this jam? Uh, are you down? And he did two vocal takes. Sounds like the king of rock and roll. Eddie did one, and there it is. I think I remember hearing a, a interview or something from years back where Mike McCready was trying to talk Ed into covering 
bands like ACDC, <laughs> yeah. you know, Kiss, stuff like that. And and back then, Ed was like, no way. Yeah, yeah. Tom Morello doing it. That's what yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was conflicted or not. When I when I brought when I brought it up to him before he had heard the track because I I went to Bruce first and Bruce sang it down. It sounded fantastic. And uh, and I, I called up Eddie. I'm like, hey, remember the time we did the thing? And I got it. And he's like, why don't you get Brian Johnson to do it? I'm like that would be good but remember the time when we did the thing <laughs> and uh and then i sent him the track and he, he he loved it so that was that was very fortunate yeah it, it is it's powerful it sounds great it sounds fantastic you know this whole thing and again it, through and through you mentioned grandson a couple of times i didn't get to bring that up i've been i've become such a fan of him over the past few years and and you must be able to hear the lineage of what you've done and and rage what and what he's doing these days i mean that's that seems like that's so much part of his dna yeah yeah absolutely yeah he reached out to me a couple of years ago i did a remix of his song blood water and that's how we became acquainted and i really you know really wanted to work with him he's just a you know super smart really inhabited by the holy spirit of rock and roll and and you know wanting to use his rock power and his intellect to change the world and that's a you know we could use more of that He's doing great work out there too. I, I mentioned Rage and I'm only bringing it up real quick because there was going to be the reunion shows, I believe, right? And then yes. it's like, finally, finally we're getting, nope, no. Yeah, yeah, we were, I think, 15 days away from the first show in nine years or something like that. And, uh, but we, you know, the, the US tour is rebooked for March of 2022. So fingers crossed that it's safe out there to, to play it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you all had been already done the rehearsals and everything. We well, we did. We did two years ago. Now we're you know we'll right. have to, have to re reboot again. But uh, you know, band sounded great then. I we've you know the way those four people play together from the first rehearsal till you know March of twenty twenty is always sounds just like that. So I'm I'm confident that it'll be great if there are shows. I'm looking forward to that when yeah. it happens. I will drive or fly wherever I need to go because <laughs> I know that's a rare occasion when that comes yeah. around. Uh, in the meantime, this new record with the Atlas Underground Fire, um, the series, you know, now that we've got two, I'm, I'm calling it a series because I'm really just pushing you to do more of this. I love it yeah, so much. I, I, I like, I love the idea of the, of this kind of collaboration. It's really, it's both solo record and collaborative record at the same time and very freeing. And it, it allows me to kind of let go of a lot of my type anus in a way, both embrace it on the one hand and completely let go of it on the other hand to sort of the winds of of creative chemistry and that's something that's appealing yeah well congratulations on another successful run at it uh, i've had so much fun listening to it so well, i appreciate it thank you very much Kyle. all right tom thank you for taking the time today this is uh fun as always my pleasure so you want to be a rock and roll star no well how about a podcast star well as it turns out there's a new all-in-one platform just for you it's called anchor and it's the easiest way to make a podcast and check this out it's free there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm going to back up to uh, 2018. That was the last time that Tom and I spoke. And that time was about the uh, the sort of the first part of this record, this project uh, behind the album, The Atlas Underground. Uh, that time saw him collaborating with folks like Marcus Mumford, Gary Clark Jr., Portugal the Man, and Steve Aoki. 
Uh, we also talked about uh, Prophets of Rage, The Night Watchman, some Audio Slave, Rage Against Machines, 20th anniversary of the Bottle of uh, Battle of Los Angeles. So I'm going to include that one here as well. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Tom Morello. Hello. Congratulations on the Atlas Underground. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. This seems like the, we'll start with the softball question here. I mean, it's the first full release under your your own name. You didn't go for the Night Watchman or anything like that? Uh, Because it's an electric guitar record. And and the idea with this record was to create a sonic conspiracy with a diverse artist with the lofty goal of, you know, forging a brand new genre of rock and roll that combines, you know, Marshall Stack Fury and huge EDM drops. So it's a it's a solo record in that I am the uh, you know a songwriter and the guitarist and the curator, but it's also a collaborative record in that I brought together you know twenty or so very diverse artists to you know on this mission to really make this unique new alloy uh, for 2018. You know, you talk about uh, creating a new sound. You're no stranger to creating a new version of rock and roll. I mean, this is something you've done in the yeah. past. It seems like that sets the bar sort of at a certain point for you when you're looking at something like this. Yeah, I mean, I love to challenge myself as a guitarist and as an artist and you know I had never uh, growing up I had never been a fan of electronic music or what my understanding of electronic music was and when I discovered Knife Party and Bass Nectar and Skrillex and a few others that, that had grown up on Rage Against the Machine I really heard in that music the kind of sonic power and the tension and release of some of my favorite you know rock and metal bands uh, and called those guys up and said well what if we replace your synthesizers with my electric guitar we might be onto something you know unique it was also it's also important to me to this record serve as a trojan horse for electric guitar playing in 2018 in that we've got a song every step that I take which uh, which is the collaboration with Portugal the man and Weefen you know it's kind of on the alternative rock charts and whatnot and somebody told me the other day that it's been 10 years it's been more than 10 years that an alternative rock charting song oh. has had a guitar solo in it oh my god that's <laughs> that's sad <laughs> good for you but that's yeah, sad exactly. yeah yeah, it, it is sad, but I mean that means there's work to be done. Is right. the way I look at it, and uh, and by by you know without compromising one iota on the you know on the rock and roll and on the shredding guitar playing, but by melding it with interesting uncompromising artists like Bass Nectar and Big Boy and Killer Mike and Wu Tang Clan and Vic Mensa and Marcus Mumford and Rise Against and Steve Aoki to make these you know really like unique new versions of rock and roll for uh, subsequent generations. All these names, there, there's a few in there. Especially, I guess, really a lot of them. Um, I mean, it's a chance for them to paint with a, a sort of different paintbrush as well, too. Exactly. Did yeah. did, it, did they feel like they all kind of fell into place? I mean, did anybody feel extra challenged on this that you noticed? Yeah. Well, each each song each song came together in a different way. You know, like like Gary Clark Jr. and I, he came over and we jammed for about three and a half hours, just having a ball, just playing, and then I boiled that song down in the three and a half minutes. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and so that was just like sort of free-form jamming. Other songs were more meticulously put together where with the, the, the lead track, Battle Sirens with Knife Party, I sent them like a riff tape where there'd be you know, like, here's 10 riffs and here's 10 crazy guitar noises and, and use those use your production techniques but replace your electronics with my analog rock and roll guitar to create something that's you know like if my guitar playing were the Ansel Adams black and white photo I want to make the smashed Picasso version of that something that's recognizable uh, but you hear it in an entirely different way and Marcus Mumford might be the most surprising of all the guests on here so I'm a mm. fan of Marcus but you know it, yeah. as far as you know the further end of the spectrum to where everybody else is it seems like you both kind of brought each other closer to your usual world, though. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark's. I mean, I've I've played some Night Watchman shows with Mumford Sons. I'm a huge fan of his singing and his band, and uh, we've overlapped on festivals through the years. And we're also rock dads who have a lot to <laughs> talk about and drink about. Uh, so we, uh, you know, we over a couple of of FaceTime sessions wrote that song on two continents. He was in you know, he was in the UK, and I was in actually three continents. I think there was South America was in there as well. Uh, but no, I'm a, a, a huge fan of his stuff. And then Josh from Fantagram, you know, produced that track, and and to me, it's like it's a it's a great meeting of of all of our worlds. Yeah. And you mentioned Gary. And it also Clark. has a guitar solo. Right. <laughs> and you mentioned guitar, uh, or, uh, Gary Clark Jr. there too. Cause when you think about the two of you, I mean, here's two guitar gods and, and, and you hear about a three yeah. hour jam. It's still yeah. not the type of sound type of song right. that, that I would expect right. out of that. Yeah. Well, that's not the record. I mean, people have made, I wanted to make a record that was conceptually n- not sonically the Hendrix of now. And what I mean by that is it's got to have, extraordinary guitar playing. It's got to have one thing that Hendrix had was he had songs that were connected with the radio and songs that were, he, he, I want to inject my, you know, inflict my guitar vision on, you know, 2018. And then also the, you know, the genre that Hendrix dealt in was blues rock and millions of guitar players have made blues rock records. No one's yet made a record, you know, like with me and Gary Clark Jr. that rocks in the particular way that this uh, song and this album rocks. Would I, would I be uh, too far out when, when, cause I was thinking about there. I, I can hear seeds of this record in like Audio Slaves Hypnotize. That one came to mind. Sure, sure, sure. It's been in my mind for a while. Like I, I, I produced a couple songs on a Crystal Method record back in the day on their record Tweekend. I did a song with Prodigy, you know, maybe almost 20 years ago. And I remember in those sessions thinking, like, like this hasn't been done great yet. Like we were sort of circling around it, you know, on those songs. And I felt like this real potential to use this, like my kind of 70s riff rock meets, you know, crazy R2-D2 meets shredding guitar playing with these huge drops and beat that, you know, it really stuck in my mind. And it was, you know, some years ago, I've been working on this record for, you know, clandestinely for some time. And, you know, it was a, a metal friend of mine turned me on to, you know, Knife Party and Skrillex. And I was like, that's when the light bulb blew. And I was like, now's the time to you know, like concentrate all my efforts to really make something that's a, you know, like a, a forward looking statement for the electric guitar. How much did control did you have over the lyrics too because i feel like if an artist knows yeah. that they're working with tom morello yeah. it sort of puts yeah. you in a frame of mind what you're going to be singing about yeah we had we had lengthy discussion with the lyricist and the co i wrote some lyrics as well but with the lyricist on the record that the theme that there was a, 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 a an overarching narrative of social justice ghost stories on the record and that is we're telling the stories of the past martyrs and the fallen to shed light on the struggles of the present and hopefully light a sonic bonfire as a, as a beacon towards a more just and humane future. So yeah, there is a lot of, you know, whether it's police brutality, which is addressed by Wu-Tang Clan and lead poisoning, uh, or by Bass Nectar and Big Boy in Rabbit's Revenge, or, uh, you know, bodies dropping on their way to the border in Roadrunner with Lakeley 47, or a whispered prayer through a, a death row prison wall in the Marcus Mumford song, Find Another Way. You know, we wanted to, you know, tell these, these kind of hidden, they tell these ghost stories uh, in 2018. You're talking about you know finding out a lot of these artists. You know we're Rage fans growing up and everything. Sure. And, and I thought sure. especially when you're talking about those hip hop artists when they have that frame of mind. Sure. I mean it's it's hard not to at least have that like in the back of your mind. Like this sort of sounds a little bit like Rage might have sounded in 2018. <laughs> you know. Sure. 
sure, sure. Well, I mean, that's, well, I'm I'm the guitarist, so there, there, that, that part <laughs> right. of it is, uh, you know, is uh, is one of the sonic cornerstones. And you know, in the subject matter, there's certainly a lot to sing about in 2000, sing and rap about in 2018. Worth noting, though, uh, Battle of Los Angeles turns 20 next year. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you celebrate Crazy. those things? Is that does that pop up at all? Uh, you know, it's certainly it's certainly worth an Instagram post. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean it is crazy. Um, you know, I'm looking. I'm actually sitting in my my den right now, looking at the Battle of Los Angeles platinum record on the wall. So it's, that's 20 years old. That is nuts. Yeah, that is, time flies. I mean, I, I was thinking, like, you know, I, I gather while it's been, you know, while the band's been absent for uh, almost 20 years. I mean, it's in your life every day. I mean, especially when sure. you get on the phone on an interview or anything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a uh, you know it's a it's a you know rage and audio slave and prophets of rage and you know and the night watchman. Like it's, it's been a, it's been quite a journey of you know since I made my this is this the Alice Underground is my nineteenth studio album wow and uh, yeah and it's uh, if you include the two Springsteen ones in there <laughs> you know so it's a uh, pretty crazy and you're going to you know, be... those four Rage records were a huge part of that yeah you're going to be juggling like several of these next year right this is like your next year yeah 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 we're working on more profits music and I think there's you know there upcoming shows getting ready to be announced too and uh, and the Atlas Underground I've been doing this uh, uh, Atlas Underground Experience tour which is you know it's part discussion and part shredding my ass off which has been really fun but the uh but the proper the proper atlas underground tour is going to happen in you know in 2019 i'm working with um sean evans who is the artistic director for roger waters for the wall and for the us and them tours and we're putting together something pretty special for 2019 and we're talking about the live version here right yeah the live version yeah i mean it seems like there's so many opportunities whether it's just you know different artists coming in and out of the tour or or whatnot i mean i don't know how much you want to talk about that it seems like there's still some secrecy there but how do you present something yeah, of this it's, scope it's, it's, live. It's I mean, the idea, the, the challenge, the obvious challenge is Wu-Tang and Rise Against and Mumford and & Sons and Steve Aoki, Bass Nectar, myself, etc., are not all going to fit on one tour bus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and scheduling could be difficult in that regard. So, so my way of looking at the glass half full is we have to create a show that whether everybody shows up or nobody shows up, it's got to be really dynamic and compelling and it's going to combine elements of, you know, sort of part art installation, part part big rock show, part illegal 90s rave, part, you know, it's like there's a lot of a lot of disparate elements that are going to come crashing together to make something pretty exciting. Tri- trivial fact I was kind of curious about here, too, while we're on those, uh, the idea of uh, the guests. I read at some part that you texted Dave Grohl to be on this record. Yeah, yeah, I was making the, uh, the uh, Steve Aoki had sent me the mix of the of the song that became How Long and it just totally rocked me and, and I said who do you think we should approach to sing at and he said I really love Tim uh, McElrath from Rise Against and I love Dave Grohl and I think they'd you know either one of them would be great and I said I'll text them both and see who hits me back first <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Tim Tim got the gig and Dave lost <laughs> out I mean he's not hurting for yeah, you know I, something did, to do I, loved, but... I love Dave I, I had the great good for I saw Dave the other day uh, and had the great good fortune to he's jammed a couple times with Prophets of Rage where we have absolutely, you know, blown the roof off the joint playing with that guy. And uh, I look forward to playing with him whenever, you know, I have the opportunity. Yeah, selfishly, I, I want to hear that someday, that collaboration that could have been on a record like this yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's a great dude. There's that, that's, I'm sure there's that possibility is, is likely to happen. Yeah, Prophets of Rage, uh, what Heart of Fire came out in the summer. That's your latest, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been in the studio on and off since then working on what will be our next studio record. Cool. And maybe 2019? Is that what you're eyeing? Hopefully 2019, yeah. Awesome. You know, to, to have so many different lives and births in this career, I mean, it's amazing what yeah. you pull off. 
It is. I mean, I am. I honestly, when I, you know, I imagine myself when I joined my first high school band, I thought I would be in one band for my entire life. You know, I sort of, you know, I really thought like I'm just going to dig in. This is going to be my band. And the and the, you know, and when when you know, Rage Against the Machine broke up, which was a global band, broke up. I really, you know, like the, that cliche of when a you know a door closes, a window opens. Like it led to you know a very richly satisfying you know audio slave life of global rock, you know, arena rocking, and then you know, and then making four night watch, you know, night watchman albums that are near and dear to my heart, and playing on picket lines and protests all over the globe, to playing in Street Sweeper Social Club with soon-to-be Oscar-nominated Boots Riley, <laughs> you know, to uh, you know, spending over the course of some six years playing on and off with the e- Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, and then the wonderful journey of the Prophets of Rage's band, and now making this Alice Underground record that I'm, you know, I'm making music that I'm more excited about than anything I've made in my life, and uh, it's pretty awesome, you yeah, know, to, uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I've that I've stayed true to, really, like, the first record that I made was a, a band called Lockup on Geffen Records, and, and that was a band that played by the rules, and we, I was 22 years old, and I thought, well, you know, record companies know best, and producers always know best, you know, what do I know, and, and we made a record that was compromised, and it wasn't, the record wasn't as good as the band, and, and I learned a lesson, the band got dropped, and at 26 or 27 years old, I had had my grab at the brass ring, and I was done. I thought, well, if I'm not going to, you know, make records or be a rock star, I'm going to make a solemn vow to myself to never play another note of music that I don't believe in. And I've stuck with that over the next 18 records, and that feels good. And, and the stuff you're saying, I mean, we should definitely take the moment here at the end to talk about that, too, because there are so many issues to, to, to put a, a bright spotlight on and to try to grasp sure. but one of those uh, you know let alone as many as you do and uh, you know I notice uh, what hunger is a crime seems to be a, a you know a, sure. one of those spotlights for you right now I mean is sure. that are, are do you find yourself directed in one way more than others yeah well I mean on this record we've we've you know uh, the uh, why hunger is the organization that you know I, I've worked with for years and and I do believe that poverty and hunger are a crime uh, they're man-made uh, you know and the environment of course is a big deal you know now we're at a historical crossroads of life or death for the planet with the song every step I take we've partnered with save which is a suicide prevention organization that issue is very near and dear to my heart if there's one overarching issue however it's uh, also sorry I should mention one more color of change which is a criminal justice proponent, uh, which we partnered with on the song Rapids Revenge. But there's one overarching issue that has is been through the entire body of work that I've been involved in. It's that of empowerment, and it's that the that the audience is the agent of change, and that history is not something that happens. History is something that you make, and that the people who have changed the world in progressive, radical, or even revolutionary ways had no more power, courage, intelligence, or creativity than anyone reading this article right now. Uh, it's just a matter of doing it. Or abstaining, sitting on the sidelines, and letting some other sons of bitches drive this planet into a ditch. It's entirely up to you. And I appreciate everything you're doing out there. I mean, it's your music has meant so much to my life, and, and it's taught me a lot. Right the up. stuff that you're saying, you know, because it, it, it does point me in the direction. I mean, the, the things you're talking about, when I look at the, the chain link of those big issues, that hunger is a food distribution problem that affects the climate, that is consumption. Right. I mean, you know, and, and right. to kind of hold all of that. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what we've been, you know, since the first rec- Rage record to this Alice Underground record that we've been hammering away is that the people that own and control the planet don't deserve to. You deserve to, and your readers deserve to. And it's, you know, it's in it's in the interest of humanity that we should organize our society, not in the interest of the uh, profit for a few. Yeah, well, Tom, thank you so much for what you do. Congratulations on the record. It's been so much fun talking right to you as well. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. We'll yeah. see you soon, hopefully. All right, man. Take All right, care. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.
And my thanks, Tom Morello. The new album, The Atlas Underground Fire. Big thanks to you for checking out the episode. Again, hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with uh, all the interviews that I put out. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video version, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. It's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. (laughs) It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.